0: Well, police in BC continue, continue to investigate the shooting death tonight uh, of a Vancouver, in the Vancouver suburb of Surrey of a man acquitted in the 1985 Air India bombing. It happened this morning. Uh, in broad daylight, Reputa man Singh Malik was murdered outside a business he'd owned just before 9.30 a.m. And of course, the Air India bombing on June 23rd, 1985 remains the deadliest terrorist attack in Canadian history, one of the deadliest aviation terrorist attacks still of all time. 329 passengers died when Flight 80, 182 was blown up. Part off the coast of Ireland. Um, two other baggage handlers died when another bomb placed in luggage went off at Narita Airport in Japan. The attack was suspected to have been carried out by Sikh separatists in retaliation for the Indian government's attack on Amritsar's Golden Temple a year earlier that left hundreds of Sikh pilgrims dead. Malik and associate Ajab Singh Bagri were alleged to be part of a conspiracy of a small group of BC militants who placed those suitcase bombs on those two connecting flights out of Vancouver. Uh, The deadly tag bags were tagged for air into flights heading in opposite directions. Now, in March 2005, Malik and Bagri were acquitted of murder and conspiracy charges. Well, joining me now with more on this is Vancouver Sun crime reporter Kim Kim Bolin, also the author of Loss of Faith How the Air India Bombers Got Away with Murder. And she knows more about the Air India attack than most of us, I believe, uh, than anybody. She's forgotten more than most of us will ever know. Kim, thanks so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. So just what happened today, it, it, we saw the reports early this morning, but I guess police are still trying to figure out what exactly went down.
1: Well, unfortunately, the MO of how this murder uh, took place is very similar to many of the gangland murders we've had on the Lower Mainland in recent years. You know, uh, a shooter pulls up, uh, probably a hired hitter, face-covered blasts away at their target and then takes off a burning car is found a short distance away and the suspect escapes. So we have seen this uh, in many other cases that are more related to gangs and organized crime. Very shocking to learn that it was Raputaman Singh Malik. He is 75 years old and, well, he was charged and later acquitted in this terrible terrorism case he hasn't been in the general public's uh, mind much over the last uh, dozen years or so since he was acquitted on those charges.
0: And I guess we have uh, no notion of a motive yet in this.
1: Well, there are several motives. I don't think this is going to end up being related in any way whatsoever to Air India, uh, even though obviously you know, all of us in the media are rehashing the details of that terrible terrorist plot uh, given that he was acquitted in it, and in my book, as the title highlights, um, you know, I lay out uh, a case as to why he probably shouldn't have been acquitted in the air India bombings. Um, having said that, people are thinking that this might be uh, a personal dispute, possibly he was someone with a lot of business interests. he was still very involved politically, and back in January, he wrote a letter to the Prime Minister of India, controversial man. Uh, Mr. Modi, and uh, he was uh, saying that he supported some of the measures that Modi had been taking uh, to deal with some of the uh, outstanding grievances that Sikhs had in India. So he took a lot of heat when that letter was published in media in India. Some people think he was betraying the Sikh separatist cause, of which he was once a very high-profile member. So that's something that people are talking about as a potential motive. Um, he also, as I reported, um, you know, had had gotten some flack uh, from religious uh, Sectors in India and in Canada over his link to publishing of the Sikh holy book outside of India against an edict that had been issued in Amritsar in Punjab. So, you know, there are a lot of things that people are throwing around, but all the people I've spoken to in law enforcement and those who knew Mr. Malik are saying today that it wouldn't be appropriate to speculate. We really don't know where this investigation is going to go And everyone is hoping that uh, police get some leads. It was a very busy area where he was shot. Uh, Clearly the killer or killers knew uh, that he had an office there, likely knew what time he arrived to go to work because he was shot, as you said, just before 9.30 a.m. as he was uh, in his car outside of this industrial plaza. And uh, where the vehicle was found burning six blocks away, it's a very residential area. So police are calling, you know, put a call out for witnesses. They're also looking for uh, any video, dash cam video that someone might have from the vicinity at the time. And we know from other cases that that kind of video can be extremely helpful in identifying suspects and potentially getting charges laid.
0: I know you've looked into this already. There's been a lot of reaction, of course, to this, both from uh, Mr. Malik's family, from uh, the families of the victims of the Air India bombing today as well. Uh, what have you picked up in terms of reaction to, to, this, to this murder this morning?
1: Well, I think everyone uh, is sharing a sense of shock. It was really surprising. Uh, you know, this is a man I have covered for decades Uh, You know, I've had threats leveled against me in his name. I can't say they came from him, but they came from people that uh, were naming him in the letters that were sent to the newsroom. Uh, And still, I, I just never imagined this happening. So, you know, it's an open wound for the Air India victims' families. They believe that Malik and others have a lot of information still about what happened back in June of 1985 And uh, when they die, that information dies as well. And then, obviously, Mr. Malik's family, you know, adores him. He's their patriarch. They believe he's innocent. His son said in a statement today that, you know, uh, basically he never should have been charged uh, when, in fact, the judge that acquitted him said, look, I'm not finding him innocent. I'm just saying, you know, an acquittal is an acquittal. It, It falls short of saying someone didn't commit the crime.
0: Mr. Malik, uh, after that acquittal in 2005, and even, I guess, beforehand, had gone on to have, he was still very involved in the community. There was a credit union, there was a school and so forth. Uh, He was quite a prominent member uh, of his community.
1: Yes, he was. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people praise him for the work that he did on behalf of his community. You know, but other people also believe that he maintained uh, those positions and these institutions that he helped create as a way of maintaining power in the community. I remember the late Tara Singh Hare, who was uh, assassinated, uh, a journalist, but also someone who had agreed to be a witness in the Air India case at the time he was killed. And he said to me that Malik holds the power over the very, you know, basic, um, you know, wants and desires of his community. He can help get children into a private school and he can also help people, you know, get financing so that they can buy um, a house or start a business, right? So he has been a very powerful person. Some people have alleged he's misused those positions within those institutions, uh, but other people credit him with having started them in the first place.
0: Do you have any, knowing these cases as you do, uh, is there any chance that this will be solved? Are they are they often solved, or do they often
1: go unsolved? Well. That's a real tough one, Uh, you know, because like I said, the way this murder was conducted, it was more like a gangland hit than a traditional murder or crime linked to terrorism or terror plot. Um, I I think that they are going to make some headway in solving it. But then you just have to look back at the murder of Tara Hare uh, in 1998. And even though there's tons of information about the suspects, about the fact that uh, people linked to the Air India bombing likely plotted that, no one's ever been charged, and that was the assassination of a journalist, believed to have been killed for stories he wrote in his newspaper and for agreeing to be a witness in the country's biggest terrorism case.
0: And someone you knew well, right?
1: Someone I knew well, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you don't see justice in high-profile cases like that, or just look at the Air India case. I mean, Mr. Malik was acquitted. His co-accused, Ajab Singh Bagri, was also acquitted. Just one man, Indrajit Singh was convicted. And even then, he never, you know, stated in a public court, even when he was called as a Crown witness, look, here's what happened. I'm really sorry. I regret my role in all this. So a lot of people still are holding a lot of secrets, even though it's 35 years plus since this terrorist attack occurred. My
0: guest this half hour is Vancouver Sun crime reporter Kim Bolin, author of Loss of Faith, How the Air India Bombers Got Away with Murder. We're talking about the murder today of Reputaman Singh Malik. Uh, he was acquitted in 2005 of charges related to that attack in 1985 that caused the death of uh, 331 people, including 329 on, on board Air India Flight 182. Of course, many of them Canadian. We're hearing from people. Uh, families of the victims today, again, reliving that time, uh, how little support they got from the Canadian government, even though most of the people on board that plane were Canadian citizens. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk a bit more, Just and and Kim, you've already spoken about this, just about when information is lost, what cannot be retrieved about this deadliest of terrorist attacks in Canadian history? We'll be back with that. To me, this is like... uh... This is like the nightmare that never stops giving, because like it just brings back all the, you know, the horrible memories uh, of what we've had to go through for the last 37 years. And I was supposed to be on the flight as well. And um, it's something you think about a lot. That is Deepak Kendallwall, uh, a man whose two older sisters were killed aboard Air Fl- uh, India Flight 182, uh, describing what it was like to hear about the death today of uh, Ripudman Singh Malik uh, and saying it brings up old wounds, saying the families went through enough, just waiting 18 years for the trial and didn't get much of any support from the Canadian government for the deaths of mostly Canadian citizens. My guest this half hour is Kim Bolin. Uh She's the Vancouver Sun's crime reporter, author of Loss of Faith, How the Air India Bombers Got Away with Murder. Uh, you touched on this earlier, kim um there's still so much i guess that is not known or at least not publicly known about what happened that awful day back in june of 1985 and i imagine that when each person who is suspected of having been involved uh leaves us that some of that information will never be known to some extent is, is that the sense you're getting today
1: oh yeah that's very very true and uh, we had another suspect who in fact testified at the trial and uh you know, there was actually contradicting evidence to what he said uh, on the stand that was never introduced by the Crown. It's something I wrote about in my book. And and he died, I think, of a heart problem a year, year and a half ago. And, you know, to my knowledge, no one went and talked to him before he died, even though you often hear from retired investigators that, you know, old cases like this can be broken wide open by people who decide to come forward when they're sick or perhaps you know, uh, facing, uh, you know, death in in short order. And yet I don't feel like there's any active investigation. I mean, I was just out at the memorial service on June 23rd in Stanley Park, the first time that it could be held since the pandemic began in 2020. And um, so for that, I did a story and I called up the RCMP and, you know, they give their annual statement saying, oh, yeah, if there are any tips in the case, you know, phone them in. So instead of just putting that quote in my story yet again after another year, I asked them, how many tips have you gotten in recent years? Where should people phone? Uh, And then they got back to me with a statement that said, in fact, it had no tips in recent years. So, you know, it doesn't give you uh, any kind of reassurance that headway will be made in this um, investigation uh, of the worst crime in Canadian history right? I mean, Uh, you know, there's no other single other act that has resulted in so many deaths uh, that remains generally unresolved.
0: I spoke to Bob Ray that day and he voiced exactly the same thing. I asked him, you know, do you think this will ever be figured out? And, you know, or, or have we even learned from it? You know, have we learned to accept that what happened that day was, you know, a Canadian tragedy? And he wasn't, he wasn't entirely convinced that we had gotten there yet. I mean, you've worked on this for, for so long. What, are your, what is your sense now? It's been 37 years. Do you think we'll ever know enough?
1: Well, I think we know a lot. Um, You know, I mean, I see people asking questions on social media that have largely been answered in the reports that came out in 2010 from the Air India uh, Commission of Inquiry done by Justice John Major. Uh, So there's a lot of information there on the public record. The problem is, it isn't really something that's widely known, uh, you know, amongst Canadians. And we know from the early days of uh, the bombings and the aftermath that, you know, Canada generally ignored Uh, this terrorism attack because, you know, it was a bit embarrassing to be connected to it. And, you know, there's the famous example when Brian Mulroney called uh, Rajiv Gandhi to offer condolences for the lost victims, even though almost all of them were Canadian or Canadian residents, right? So, you know, that's the way it was in the early days. It was sort of, um, you know, I remember writing this in my book and, Uh, 2005 that, you know, it was a front page story. It happened on a Sunday and by Thursday it was off of the front page of newspapers, like the worst terrorist attack in Canadian history, right? So it's never gotten the attention it deserves. And now, you know, there are, there's a whole new generation of Canadians that maybe don't, didn't read all the stories about the investigation, the trial. Uh, So I think in that generation, there's a lot of people who don't have Uh, even the basic knowledge of what went down. And, um, you know, I'm seeing a bit of revisionist history out there, and it's hard to tackle uh, because there's just so much information. You know, you can't respond to every single comment on social media going, well, actually, that's not true. If you check, you know, in in this archive online, you can find material that will contradict what you're saying. You know, and uh, I think the problem is that this hasn't been taught in Canadian schools, uh, that there isn't a way of sort of... Permanently memorializing what happened, um, you know, so that the vast majority of Canadians know now and will know in the future.
0: And you've spoken so often to the families of the victims and just how they have felt over the years. I imagine, again, as we heard, uh, from Deepak Kandawal uh, in, coming into this uh, section of the interview, just how disappointed this is. They, they remain to this very day. I'm sure that sentiment was, uh, was, was, it was there to be seen to this year. Uh, I guess I gather it was the, the 35th anniversary, which couldn't be held on the date because of the pandemic.
1: Right. Yeah. A lot of us were going to go to India or pardon me, to Ireland, um, You know, the Irish, uh, you know, in the village near where the plane went down, have, you know, had a memorial built to the victims within the first year. It took uh, 20 years for that to happen in Canada. And so uh, people have gathered there on special anniversaries, you know, 10 years, 20 years. uh, And it's really quite a remarkable experience being there uh, with the victims' families and the Irish people who, um, you know, show up even though they have no direct connection to this, Uh, terrorist attack. And, uh, you know, some of the families of uh, victims have, you know, given scholarships out in the community of Bantry uh, in Ireland, and they just have really built this wonderful relationship with the community. So when you see that, I mean, there's a real positive thing. And these victims' families, like, they're really remarkable. You don't see hatred You see so many of the young people who are, you know, sort of the second generation who were small kids when family members were killed have gone on to have careers in law enforcement, you know, police, prosecutors, uh, criminologists. And, you know, I think they've just been really impacted by uh, what happened to their family and what they've had to go through all these decades.
0: And again today, Kim Boland, thank you so much for your time tonight, as always.
1: Anytime.